Father, as we uh, come to your word, I do ask, God, that you would do that work in our lives. Lord, what a joy it is to lift up our hearts and sing to you, and God, praise you and worship you for simply being our God. And I pray that we would have that continued attitude and heart as we get into your word. And Lord, as we look at Paul exhorting that church a couple millenniums ago, calling them to go deeper with you, to be a a group of people that are gonna trust you and believe you in the midst of any kind of circumstance. I pray pray that you would impact our lives with these same words and that, Lord, we would be drawn close to you. And I ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. As we're looking at Paul, as he's talking to the church, he's kind of gone through his past and present and he's gonna talk about that a little bit more and then he's gonna go into the future. And listen, he's just encouraging them. He's encouraging them to stay the course. They've been inundated, it seems like, with, with maybe some Judaizers and people who are really legalistic and then also inundated with those who, hey, you can live however you want, it doesn't matter, and they're like infiltrating the church. And so Paul is calling the church, pay attention Think about what's coming. Think about what they're saying. And look at those who are your heroes. And I like that part. He's calling them to to, uh, look at ones and try to follow after them. Try and look after them. And I don't want to get too far ahead as, as we talk about that. But we need to think about in our own lives, we need to think about how am I living my life for those around me? And again, I know, listen, I know we live to the Lord, but... People are watching us. Other believers are watching us, and hopefully we're encouraging them. The world is watching us. Hopefully we're encouraging the world, and we need to understand that's going on, and Paul had a grasp of that, and Paul, listen, Paul wasn't ashamed to say, hey, follow me. It's okay. Follow me, and I guess my question for all of us, could you say that to somebody tonight? Follow me. Listen, he's saying follow me as I follow the Lord. But could you say, could you, do you want someone to follow you and, and look at you and watch you and, and, and be like you? Because that's what this is all about. We're supposed to be, number one, encouraging one, each other, and number two, to be a light to the world. So as he's, as he's exhorting them, and remember, man, he just gave that powerful testimony, and here's what blows my mind, about forgetting the things that are past, right? Forgetting the past, pressing on, and going forward, and then he kind of, to me, drops this bombshell in verse 17, brethren, Join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have have us for a pattern. Listen to what he's saying. Follow my example. What is his example? He listed all of the attributes that many would count as good, right? I was born of the of the tribe of Benjamin, I was a Pharisee, I was zealous, I did all these things, and then what did he say? But I count all of that as rubbish, or manure in some translations, compared to the knowledge of Christ, compared to knowing him, and then what does he say? I wanna know him and I wanna share in his sufferings, and also 
that I may know the power of his resurrection. And so here's what Paul's saying. So here's what he's telling these guys. Then you know what? Follow me. Follow me and follow my example in that area. That's huge when you think about it because there's a lot of people around them trying to get them to go other directions. Just like today, there's a lot of people around us wanting to go certain directions. I think, I think we should have heroes. I think we should have biblical heroes. We have those in the Bible, right? Abraham, Moses, Daniel comes to my mind. Peter, all of us love Peter. Look at Peter and he's an encouragement. And, and we go through those and, and I think that's important. I think we should have those. I think we should have people from the past. You know, for, for me, I think of one, I just always, I always think about Martin Luther and the stand he took against the status quo of his day and, and what an example. And, and here's what I know, he wasn't perfect, but what an example. And then you have people like Spurgeon, maybe getting a little bit closer, Martin Lloyd-Jones, and then, and then contemporaries. Do you have contemporaries? So, so I guess my point is we should know Bible people. We should know biographies of those who have gone before. And then we should also have some contemporary. You know, for me, one would be Chuck Smith, Chuck Swindoll. Those guys, you look at them and go, yes, I want to follow them. And here's the thing. Was Paul perfect? No. As a matter of fact, towards the end of his life, what does he say? I am the chief of all sinners. It always cracks me up when people say, oh man, I'm a really bad sinner. Here's what I tell them, not as bad as Paul. Because he's the chief. He already took that spot, man. You can't have that spot. It's one thing to follow Jesus and want to be like Jesus, and I think that should should obviously be in front of us. But I also think we should follow somebody who's not perfect. Somebody who's gonna blow it, because here's the thing, as we watch them have, have victory over certain areas, then we, here's what we know, I could have that same victory. And I could do that, so Paul, listen, Paul says, listen, there are, I, don't, I did verse, I did the wrong verse. I did verse 15. No, I did, I did the right verse, I'm sorry, now I'm looking at verse 15. Maybe we should just start over. I don't even know how to read my Bible. So, 15 popped out at me. So, listen, he says, brethren, join in following my example. And then he says, listen, do you notice what he says? And note those who so walk. I think we're really good at taking notes of people who do wrong things. Are you very good at taking notes of people who do right things? Hmm. I love that. Take note of that. Pay attention to that. Lock on to that. Zero in on that. And I think, listen, I think as we do that, it's gonna cause us to live differently and to grow and to get a greater understanding of our relationship with the Lord. So, he, you know, he says that note and then, and then again repeating the part about, about as you, have, have, you has, uh, have us for a pattern. And then verse 18, listen, now he's gonna shift into the negative somewhat. For many... For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Wow. Do you know that right here is the only time Paul talks about crying, weeping in the present tense? 
Think about, think about he got put in jail for these guys, right? He didn't weep then. How about he got beat with rods? He didn't talk about weeping then. How about he got 40 lashes? Didn't talk about weeping then. Are you kind of getting the heart of this man? What's he weeping over? He's weeping over people, not just people who are sinning, but he's weeping over people who have infiltrated the church and corrupted the church with their bad doctrine, and it's breaking his heart. Here he is in prison. He's not weeping because he's in prison. He's weeping because these guys, right, enemies of the cross who come in and pretend to be for the cross are corrupting not just themselves, but they're corrupting the church. They're corrupting the, the Philippians. And it's breaking his heart. Listen, man, I, I think Paul sees this and, and he's just like, he can't believe it's happening. And here's one thing I like. He's not saying, oh, I would really like to go take him out. A lot of us might feel that way when somebody's doing something. He's just gonna weep over them and obviously pray for them. And they've come in, and what does he mean by they're enemies of the cross of Christ? There are those who add to the cross. And they say, Jesus isn't enough, you have to do this, especially in that day. And they would be, listen, they would be men who would come in and say, you have to be circumcised. You have to eat the right kind of food. You have to celebrate the right kind of days. You have to do this. The legalists, right? The Judaizers. Do you understand when they're doing that, they're an enemy of the cross? Because now they've taken the cross and said it's not enough. Now they become an enemy. And here's what Paul's saying. They're not outwardly saying they're an enemy. They're saying, oh, yeah, the cross is fine, but you need to do this. Do you ever run into those people today wanting to add on? Jesus isn't enough. Well, you need to do this, and you need to do that. Now, there's those guys, but there's also the guys who are the enemy of the cross who come in and say, Jesus died for my sins, and now it doesn't matter how I live. I can do whatever I want. It doesn't matter because I'm under the blood. Sound like some people today? And so, listen, you have those same people. Here's what blows my mind. They didn't go away after the first century, and they were there in the first century. We always think we're unique, like what we're going through is very unique, and other people are, you know, no other church in church history is going through what the church is going through uh, right now. It's been going on. Listen, the same lies, the same things, just wrapped in a little bit different package. And so you have, you know, these guys, these, these guys who were the libertarians or the antinomians, the guys who said you could live however you want, they were the beginning of what became the second century, the Gnostics. And here's what the Gnostics, Gnostics, kenosis, is knowledge. And they thought if you have this knowledge, that's all that matters, and it's your spiritual part that's saved, and it doesn't matter what you do with your body. You could be sexually immoral, you could do all of those things, because it doesn't matter, that's your body, but your spirit is fine. Well, that's kind of what was starting here. The Gnostics hadn't grown yet, but this is the beginning. This is the seed of that. And here's, so here's what Paul's saying. You have two different approaches coming, and they're enemies of the cross, and we need to understand that. And I think, listen, I think in our generation, there's just way too much kumbaya stuff going on that we all need to get together and hold hands and sit around the fire and sing kumbaya, and it's gonna be okay, because after all, 
Jesus is love. And we start doing that stuff and listen, people are creeping in and they're ripping people off of a relationship with Jesus Christ. So Paul says, I'm weeping. I'm weeping, I've told you guys, and here's what blows my mind, I told you guys when I was there, I think I told you when I wasn't there, and now I'm writing you again, telling you again, they're there. You know what that tells me? The Philippians weren't really paying attention to, to Paul. I was gonna say to George, but Paul, Lord George, my head is not working. So, they, listen, they were, I don't know where that came from, but listen, they're not paying attention to him, I think because of the Beatles of last night, and if you were there last night, you know that was it, right? Peter, Paul, and George visited our Bible study last night and saying, hey Jude, but uh, see what you miss when you don't go to things? So anyway, listen, listen, Paul, Paul saying, I told you, and I told you, and I told you. Now listen, listen, does this blow your mind? And now I'm telling you with tears. I'm weeping as I'm telling you this. I'm not weeping because I'm in prison. I'm not weeping because I got beat. I'm not weeping for him. I'm weeping for your souls. So he lays that out and he says, listen, they're the enemies of the cross of Christ. And then, and then he throws some things out here and here's what's interesting. He kind of throws these things out and, and uh, uh, just like rapid fire, whose end is destruction, whose God is, is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, and who set their mind on earthly things. So an interesting thing that is there is in italics in your Bible, because in the original language, there's no, there's no verbs. He's just like throwing things out there. Boom, 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 boom. Here's what they're doing. And as he begins talking about them, listen, first of all, he says, we need to know those people, their end, they're going to be judged. It's going to be destruction. Why would you follow somebody who's on the way to destruction and on the way to that? Don't follow them. Those aren't the ones you want to follow. You want to follow the guys who are on their way to heaven and going to heaven and walking in that direction. And, and, and to me, it's kind of like, duh, right? Physically, if somebody's going the wrong way, are you going to follow them? I did once, but... I was in France, and I started following this car. And Gaynell goes, what are you doing? And I go, I'm following this car. I go, because they're going where we're going. She goes, how, how, what makes you think that? And I go, because we're going in the same direction. <laughs> and then we went up a road, and we started going around tables where people are eating. It was a little uncomfortable when I had to back back up around those tables where people are eating. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. So, why do you do that? And that's what my wife says to me. Why are you following them? Why wouldn't you follow somebody going the right direction? But we, we know that physically, but spiritually, here's the thing, because the things the people say that are going in the wrong direction sounds so good to our flesh. We are all still in his flesh. I'm not just talking about our body. We're in the flesh. We battle. We struggle. 
And this is, again, a good reason to follow Paul because you know what? Paul battles and struggles and has a difficult time. That's why we need heroes, contemporary heroes. Our heroes, they battle, they struggle. They're trying to do the same thing. Men are just trying to walk with Jesus and glorify Jesus. And listen, and we need to watch those who are good at that, who have victory in that area. And the others, they're headed to destruction. Number one. Number two, and this is, I think, more why we listen to him. Number two, he says, not that. He says, whose God is their belly. Now, that's kind of a weird translation because he's not talking about just, just an appetite for food, although that's there. He's talking about just an appetite for self. Everything self. I want to fulfill, fulfill self. I want to take care of self. And sad to say, the church is kind of going in that direction, Right? It always bothers me when people say, you know, Jesus has a wonderful plan for your life. Now, I believe that, but I believe his definition of wonderful and our definition of wonderful can be way, way opposite of what we're thinking. And it's, number one, it's not all about us, it's all about him. And if we don't, if we don't understand that we as people before Christ have offended a holy and righteous God, and that we deserve his wrath, if that's not present within us, then salvation's not very valuable. And I think there's a saying that where we're not presenting that enough and not letting people know, here's what's going on, and then you have this gift of salvation that you should be overwhelmed with. And he says, these guys, listen, they're still all about me. They're still all about my stuff and what I can get. Does it sound like any... People on TV, here's what you need. You need to be healthy and wealthy and get everything you can because Jesus died to make you healthy and wealthy. That's just like, it's the same exact thing. Their God is their belly, those desires. Jesus died to save us from the eternal wrath of God. That's why he died. And so, so he says, listen, man, they, they, die, he, they died. He says their, their God is their belly. And, and again, I think of today, and, and you know, it's bad. I remember even working in, in missions some, and we would go do stuff on missions, and, and I remember some of the people as we would go down to Mexico, here's what they would say. We need to find their felt need and meet that. That's not what we're for as Christians. We need, what is their real need? And their need is Jesus Christ, and we need to meet that. Now, I know, listen, I know some of you right now saying, well, if you don't feed them, you're not gonna listen to you, and we get all into that, and then here's what's pretty soon. All you're doing is social work, and you're just a social worker, and you're gonna have people who are eating going to hell. It really bothers me when the church gets into this because it's not, listen, Jesus didn't die to meet our felt needs. He died to meet our one need. And so their God is their belly, and again, we have that, we have that big time here. And then he says, and whose glory is their shame. Listen, these people were doing immoral acts. That's what this is talking about. They were doing sexually immoral acts and glorifying it and saying it's okay because, hey, I'm just doing it with this body of mine. My, my spirit and my brain, we're all for Jesus. There's people that say that today. 
There's people that go that same direction. So it's not surprising, right? And so here, obviously, he's, he doesn't just have the, you know, the, the Judaizers. He's also got those people who are libertarians and antinomians. And, and so then he says, and who set their mind on earthly things. And I think all of us are a little bit guilty of that, don't you? If you're gonna be really honest, come on, don't, don't be all self-righteous. Not me, Pat. When somebody's going on a trip, what do we pray? God, keep them safe. Let them come home safe. We want them to come back safe. What if God doesn't want them to come back safe? Now, I know, listen, I know you're not gonna say, well, God, just off them on the way. <laughs> That'd be a really weird prayer. But are you, are you, are you hearing what I'm talking about? We are... We're, we're, we may not, listen, we may not all be materialistic, but we're pretty earthly centered. And we need to think about that. Because I don't know about you guys, but when something goes wrong with my body, my first prayer is, I want to be made well. Isn't that usually our first prayer? Yeah, Lord, I want to get out of this, right? I don't want to stay here. I don't want to do this. And, and we, we call people, pray for me. Pray that I'll be healed, right? We never say, pray that I'll die. And I know we're kind of laughing, but that proves we're kind of tied here. We're anchored here. And, and here's the thing. It's good to admit that and recognize that, and then hopefully we can someday grow out of that and we can be the people that say, I want to share in his sufferings and know the power of his resurrection. And then when we get there, listen, man, we're gonna change and we're gonna do things. Now, here's where Paul really shifts because, and I love this part, verse 20, for our citizenship is in heaven. Yes, yes. Somebody on our staff for, I think it was my birthday, gave me a, a passport and stuff because they talk about this in my passport and they made me a little passport and it said citizenship, heaven. And it was so cool. Listen, where is our citizenship? Think about, think about that. Now, I think it was more important for these guys to understand that. Because these guys, where are we at? Who's he writing to? The Philippians. They're in Philippi. You, and we talked about it when we introduced the book, but some of you have slept since then and you forgot everything we talked about. But Philippi was a Roman colony, not just a Roman, listen, not just a place where they settled and where they conquered, it was a colony. Whenever they were a colony, here's the thing, they became a little Rome. And they did everything they did in Rome, they replicated that in these places that were colonies. And these people were proud, listen, if you were born in a colony, you were a Roman citizen automatically. You had that citizenship. Now are you getting what Paul's talking about? They totally understood this whole idea of citizenship because they were counting on that. And then their whole thing, and I'm getting ahead a little bit, but their whole thing was someday the Caesar's going to come and visit our colony, and how good is that going to be? So here's what he's telling the church in Philippi. You're citizens of heaven. Have you traveled overseas much? You go overseas, and here's the first thing you notice. I'm not from here, right? I mean, that's not home. And 
Here's what you try and find. You try and find, you know, and, and, and someone taught me this years ago, and I don't always practice it, but they say, make sure you can find where the American embassy is. In case you get in trouble, you can go to the embassy. Well, that's a safe place. And so you're not a citizen, you're a foreigner in that place. And you're just passing through. And generally, people don't even need to look at your passport to know you're a foreigner, right? Especially as an American, if as an American, you're, you do certain things, you have you know, a definite accent. I remember when I was in Australia, the kids all wanted me to talk a lot because they go, man, you have the weirdest accent. And I go, no, you guys have the accent. And they go, dude, you're in our country. You have the accent. But they know, listen, and then they know right away, right? You're from the U.S. And you're a U.S. citizen. By the way you act, by your way you talk, and even somewhat by the way you dress. Think about that. Do people know you're a citizen of heaven? Do they know you're a citizen of heaven by the way you act, by the way you talk, maybe even by the way you dress? Do they look at you and go, you must be one of those people from heaven? And isn't it kind of good to think we're just, listen, we're just passing through here. This is, in the light of eternity, this is just a bloop, and that's it. And we need to, I think, as the church of Jesus Christ in the United States of America, we need to kind of get a handle on that because here's what we need to realize. This like just hit me really hard today. We're gathered here tonight, right? Yeah, someone say yeah, just for my sake. I'm here. We're gathered here tonight and here's, here's what I, I got to thinking. We're gonna come together and we're gonna come together as citizens of heaven and we're gonna get together in our little embassy because this place is our embassy where we can get away from the world and we can come together and we can function as citizens of heaven not citizens of the United States not citizens and, and maybe some of you are not from the US or wherever you're from but we're citizens of heaven and we're coming here to do heavenly things that's a good idea, isn't it? It's good to just focus on that and think about that. So Paul says, listen to this church. I, and for them, it meant so much more. And then here's the, here's the clincher, man. For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, yes. Paul says we eagerly wait. Are you like excited about the fact that Jesus might show up. Now, here's what I think, and maybe I'm wrong, but here's kind of what I think. Sometimes we focus more on the event than who's coming. Hmm. You see, I think we should be excited about who's coming because the event will take care of itself, right? But if we're excited about who's coming, if we're excited about, I am going to be in the presence of my Savior. I'm gonna be in the presence of Jesus Christ in a blink of an eye. It's gonna happen so fast. And here's what he says, man. As citizens of heaven, 
That should be our expectation. So Paul's looking to the future here, isn't he? He's going, that should be our expectation. That's what we eagerly are waiting for. Hey, we're hanging out here, man, and this is nothing compared to the glory of being in his presence. And that's what we need to understand, and that's what we need to get a hold of. And then, listen, and then it gets even better. He says, listen, we're, we eagerly wait for our Savior, for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I kind of like the idea he uses four words, right? Savior, Lord, Jesus Christ. He's like making sure we know who he's talking about. And then, and then he says this, listen, and then he says in verse 21, who will transform our lowly bodies that it may be conformed to his glorious body. Woo! Yes! I don't like this body. I've kind of trashed it. So I'm pretty done with it. I've done things that you're not supposed to do to your body, and I'm like, okay, I'm ready. And do you understand when he comes? And this is a back to self thing, right? But he's going to transform us. And here's the greatest truth in that. We won't have a propensity to sin anymore. Yes. He's going to change us in a twinkling of an eye. He's going to give us a new body, a resurrected body. What did Paul say? I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know that. And he says, as citizens of heaven, we're eagerly awaiting our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, because when he comes, he's going to transform. He's going to take us and make us those new creation. And we're going to be all new with him. Hallelujah. We. We don't have to worry about sinning. We don't have to worry about, about uh, no more sorrow, no more pain. And he says, listen, we're gonna be conformed to his glorious body. So what does that mean? Jesus rose from the dead and he has this glorious body. And now listen, we're gonna have a body just like his in the sense of it's gonna be glorified. And then he says, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Yes. Do you understand there is going to come a day when, I think we read it just a while back, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That day is coming. Everything is gonna be subdued to him. We don't see that now, but as citizens of heaven, that's what we're anticipating. That's what we're understanding is going to happen. Just like as citizens of the U.S., we expect certain things from our government, from our country. These things should, should happen. Why? Because I'm a citizen of the United States. Well, the same thing. I'm a citizen of heaven. These certain things should happen. And they shouldn't just be something way, way in the future. They should be something, they, they, it should be something I'm doing right now. I'm walking as a citizen of heaven. And again, it would be good if we all just kind of, kind of got a passport and got one that just said heaven. You know, people, where are you from? I'm from heaven. You know, and I know that'd be weird, but, but listen, and he says, why? He says, because there's that day when everything is going to change, when the whole, listen, the whole universe is going to change and come under the subjection of Jesus Christ. 
That is going to happen. That's not a maybe. That's not a wishful thinking. That's not I hope this happens. It is going to happen, and it is going to take place. Now, how are we living in light of that? Because this is the important thing. Paul's not giving us this just like, like just to give us information. Is this affecting our lives? Is it changing us? I wrote this down because I think it was good. I stole this from Warren Wiersbe, by the way, so it's not me. Because Abraham looked for a city, he was content to live in a tent. Do you ever think about that? Because in Hebrews it tells us, right? He's looking for the city that he never, he never inherited, but he was content to live in a tent. Because Moses looked for the rewards of heaven, he was willing to forsake the treasures of earth. Because of the joy that was set before him, Jesus was willing to endure the cross. Hmm. Now here's where it gets good. The fact that Jesus Christ is returning is a powerful motive for dedicated, living, and devoted service today. Because he's coming back, because all of this is true, how then should we be living how should that affect what we're doing today? And again, it would be good if we could have just like a little card to remind ourselves and we could look at, I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a citizen of heaven. And it would just pop up every so often. And I don't want us to get, listen, because some of you, I know some of you, you're rebellious. Some are from Bisbee. And they're like taking notes right now. And here's what, here's what, here's what you're thinking. Well, the next time they try and do anything to me, I'm going to tell them I'm a citizen of heaven. That doesn't work. So don't, don't go down that road. Don't start thinking that way. I can tell. I'm, I got the Bisbee roots. I can tell. So don't go that way. So don't be that person that does that. Don't be the jerk for Jesus. Start living. How would a citizen of heaven respond to a bad situation? How would a citizen of heaven respond to persecution? How would a citizen of heaven respond to someone lying about them? How would a citizen of heaven, are you getting my point? How would a citizen of heaven do that? Because it's who we are. Now listen, it's not just pie in the sky and it's not just wishful thinking. Here's what the Bible says. We are citizens of heaven. Hallelujah. And as believers, listen, the better, the more we believe that, the more it's gonna affect how we live. And we're gonna understand, man, because I'm a citizen of heaven, whatever happens here isn't really that big of a deal and I can handle it. Because someday, someday the Savior's coming. Someday I'm gonna be in his presence. And that's what we live for. So here's what he's telling these Philippians. Quit allowing the people coming in who are getting you to focus on you. Legalism focuses on you. Libertarian or, or antinomian or whatever you want to call it. I can live however you want. Focuses on you. Both of those are focusing on you. Get your eyes off of you and get your eyes on Jesus Christ and walk with him and enjoy him. Let's stand up and pray. Father, I, I do thank you tonight. I thank you for the challenge that we have as we look at this. And I thank you that we have the promise that you're coming for us. 
And yeah, that's a glorious event to think about, but just understanding you're coming, you, you're coming to get us. And God, I know as we get ready to come to your table, as we get ready to share communion, that we're looking in the past of your death and burial and resurrection, and we're looking at the present of how that impacts our life, but we're also looking to the future saying, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And I pray we could be like Paul and we wouldn't mind sharing in your sufferings, but we would take all of our energy to, to understand the power of your resurrection and to be people who are looking for that. Thank you, Jesus, for this thing we call salvation. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.